0: How are you doing tonight? Great. great. i like to welcome you to GFC, all of our campuses, <laughs> Castle Rock, Highlands Ranch, Lakewood. We're great to have all of you as a part of this series. We're in week two of this series called Always and Forever, a good goal for marriage, correct? Always and forever. Uh, really excited about this today. We're going to be talking about a season of frustration or fulfillment. I want to ask you, uh, uh, has that ever happened in your marriage? Have you ever been frustrated? Let me change this sermon to liars. Okay, <laughs> if you could do a scale right now in your notes and right now put a one to 10, would you say right now your marriage is more frustrating or more fulfilling? One, no, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> Look, I, I love marriage series. I love, I love what God can do in marriage series. And uh, I, I could point you and send you to all sorts of great uh, things that has to do with marriage, books and seminars. All those are great. I'm a big believer in them. I'm very uh, uh, aware that those will help us and give us some tools. But I've I got to tell you, this message is a little outside of my comfort zone because I feel a very strong calling of God to really talk about some very important spiritual issues that relate to marriage and how it affects this idea of frustration or fulfillment. So we're going to have a little fun. I always like to do something at the beginning, a little fun, so we're going to get a little exercise, okay? So what I'd like you to do at all of our campuses, I'd like all of you that are married to stand up. Even if your spouse isn't here with you, please stand up. Lakewood, you stand up. Castle Rock, Collins Ranch, you all stand up, okay? Uh, Everybody is standing up. Now, I'm going to give a time frame of marriage, and if you have been married this time frame or less, I just want you to sit down, okay? So here we go. All right. If you have been well, let me. Let's do something fun. If you are frustrated with your husband, sit down. No, don't do that. No. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, guys, I, I'm with you. Okay, if you've been married less than five years, sit down. I'm going to move through these quick, so you might feel like jumping jacks here. Okay, less than ten years, sit down. Less than fifteen. Twenty. Twenty-five. Thirty. 35 40 45 Okay, at all of our campuses, I don't know how many standing, but we just have a couple couples here. 50 All right. Great. <laughs> my my mom's at the back. How many years, mom? 58 Now, I could pull her up here on the stage and ask her how you got to 58 without frustration, but I know the truth to that answer. But anyway, (laughs) I am my father's son. Okay, let me give you a definition of fulfillment. It's to bring about the completion or achievement of a desire or promise. Now, Uh, Sometimes in the translation from Greek to English, there are errors. And I found an error in this uh, translation of the idea of fulfillment. Someone added a letter T to the end of that word fulfillment. Every husband knows that it should be spelled without that T. Can I get an amen? Half the ladies just walked out. Please, campuses, just kidding. We men may think like that, but the truth is we know it doesn't work that way. All right. Seasons of frustration have more to do with deeper issues than how a spouse might squeeze the toothpaste or how many pillows are on your bed. Can I ask how many guys that drives you crazy? Please, I don't get it. I really don't. I'm sorry. A sincere satisfaction within a relationship comes from somewhere beyond the little things. The issues that may be at the touch point can really be showing something beneath the surface. And if you're finding a bunch of those irritating things just constantly being a part of your marriage on a regular basis, it might be exposing a frustration that goes deeper beyond the simple little things. So I want to give you some truths tonight, some important things to understand. The first is fight the right battle. The enemy is not your spouse. Okay, you may think that, all right, you may have this idea that your wife or your husband is really the devil. (laughs) Can I get an amen? No. But the enemy is, the Bible tells us, there to destroy your marriage and to bring about thoughts and patterns and behaviors that are destructive to your marriage. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, and I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That is the fulfillment that I think God intends for your marriage. Now, I have been married in a couple weeks. It will be 39 years And boy, do we have the scars to prove it. (laughs) Times, I thought she was the devil. I tried to cast some things out of her once, but she beat me up. (laughs) I'm sure she thought the same as well. But listen to me. My marriage changed when God changed me. And if you're wanting to change, if you're living at that level of frustration and you want something different, then allow God to change you. And tonight, today, during this message and this series, give God that opportunity. Now, when I fight, or you fight, or my wife fights, when we get into these arguments, our attention is directed to a specific issue. But there's some things beneath that that motivate us, that move us to make these issues a big thing. And I think I can help show you that today. The first is, Point number two, the real problem is sin. The real problem is sin. And guys, all along, you thought it was pillows. The real problem is sin. Now, I'm going to take you through Genesis, and I I have to tell you, my favorite passage of Scripture is Genesis. The first three chapters tells me and identifies the whole of the Bible from there out. And there's so much to learn from that, and I'm going to cover a few elements of that today. Genesis chapter 3. Beginning at verse 5, God knows that if you eat from the fruit of the tree, you will learn about good and evil, and you will be like God. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful, that its fruit was good to eat, and that it would make her wise. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some of the fruit to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then it was as if their eyes were opened they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made something to cover themselves. They fashioned fig leaves to cover their nakedness. I've never really paid a lot of attention to that, although all of the classic art has Adam and Eve with the fig leaves, but I never really understood some of the spiritual spiritual ramifications of that act. It holds for us an important key to understanding the season of frustration and for some, the season of failure in marriage. Now, I don't know about you, but this is what happened to me. I got married at 18. I got married with all the great grand ideas of what marriage should be like. And about 30 minutes after I said I do, it went south, literally, We drove to Galveston from Houston, Texas, after a little reception of cake and those little mints and some nuts. We were cheap, okay? And some things happened with a friend that did some stuff to my clothes and messed them up. And so I'm really kind of fuming about that, and we're driving down the road, and I'm excited about being married and having a honeymoon, amen? And so we're going down Interstate 45 south of Houston, and I had shaving cream all over my windshield of my little Volkswagen bug. And I'm trying to wash it off, and my washer fluid wasn't coming out, so I'm just doing streaks of shaving cream. And I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, literally on the freeway, this guy that was literally just plastered jumps out in the middle of the road. I swerved to miss him, all right, and we missed him. Okay, And we drove on down, and I'm so intense about this, thinking I almost killed a guy on my honeymoon. How would that go? And we get to the hotel, and the first thing that I think is that this rotten food that was put in my shoes and clothes needed to be taken care of. So brilliant 18-year-old me, I said, honey, would you take care of that? <laughs> the word honey didn't help at all. She looked at me and she said, what do you mean, they're your clothes? And I said, why do you think I married you? Dumb idea. (laughs) I was 18. Somewhere along the line, I got the idea that I was going to be king of the castle. I ended up being the Joker. So we got in this huge war. And right then and there, this ideal that I thought marriage would be was not going to happen. And my stupidity and selfishness continued on for many, many years. And I kept putting the face of it on the issue and missed the point of sin. And it was really all about sin. Now, we have worked hard and we read all the books. I have a bunch of them if you'd like them. (laughs) Some I've read twice and there's great advice. I've read secular books on marriage, spiritual books on marriage. I haven't thought about writing a book on marriage, but I only got to the first sentence and it ended. (laughs) I didn't do well there. But there's an idea and a concept in this passage about fig leaves that I really want you to understand because we kept trying and we kept ending back in the same place and many times worse. And I think what God wants us to understand here in marriage is that sometimes we put this fig leaf to cover our sin. And there's a problem with fig leaves. Anybody here ever try on a pair of fig leaves? (laughs) I don't know. I've never done that. It probably never will. But I would think they aren't very comfortable. I, I, I can see my wife now saying, does this make my backside look big? Does this fig leaf? Does this plant? Covering up with leaves can't be a good way to go. There's reasons for that. A couple times in the wash and those fig leaves won't really do you any good. Why? Fig leaves and what I think is representative in this passage is they're very temporary and they're not very effective. So what's the point? Simple. Our efforts to cover our sin or to make things right are really not effective human effort to solve a sin problem doesn't work. And so often, in my true heart of hearts, I really wanted to be in a loving, fulfilling marriage. And I just kept getting more and more frustrated because of all my fig leaf efforts, not really ever changing anything. Let's continue that passage. Then they heard the Lord God walking in the garden during the cool part of the day, And the man and the wife hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? The man answered, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat fruit from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, Classic. You gave this woman to me, and she gave me the fruit from the tree, so I ate it. Two things just typically really went wrong there, men. You blame the woman, and you listen to her. No, I'm just (laughs) I told you we're having a little fun because this is a heavy subject. You got to roll with this, okay? When did this relationship go bad? They had it all. It was a perfect paradise. Not a lot to do, but enjoy life. The things that we kind of want today. But it went bad when they let sin in. And their response elicited fear and shame, deflection and blame. Wow. Think about that for a minute. Fear, shame, blame. Do you know I can find all of those things that work in my marriage? And you could probably find all of them in your issues as well. How much pain or negative reactions come with fear and shame? I was thinking about this, and I thought, there are issues that are reactive and fiery in my relationship with my wife out of fear. Some people were raised with maybe this lifestyle or understanding of life or some low self-worth or esteem, and everything that they do is to gain approval. And if they don't get that approval, they walk in fear. And the fear of losing that person if I don't meet their standard. Y'all know what I'm saying? I can go a lot of time here, but I don't want to. I want you to just put it in an application to your own life. Where is that fear at work in your marriage? What are those fears? Would that person leave me? Do I do I have to do something to keep them? And that's fear-based relationship that's not going to be very fulfilling and a whole lot more frustrating. There is a lot of shame. I've seen couples that... that make a mistake and their shame and they don't understand that out of that shame they can be freed from that but they live in shame and so they live in their marriage making choices out of shame and obviously we put a little humor to it but how often is the frustration you have in your marriage built around this idea of blame I'm gonna go there a little more later but so much of the issues that you can face in your marriage is around pointing the finger at your spouse I do a lot of weddings, I love doing weddings. I, I love officiating, uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy that atmosphere, I, I enjoy meeting the families. Uh, a few weeks ago I met a couple who've been married 59 years and had more fun just talking to them. And and uh, interesting what you, interesting at weddings, okay. Interesting that most best men don't write down their toast and it's the most craziest, goofiest thing you'll ever hear, interesting. <laughs> don't know what that has to do but I'm just And all of our pastors, all of our uh, guys here that do weddings, we meet with the couples and uh, we'll do some premarital stuff and we'll talk a lot. And out of those conversations, we hear probably the very same things you said to your uh, official pastor when you did your wedding. You had this dream, right? You had this idea of love. You had this hope and you had this idea that you would be different, that you would say i do and head down the aisle and then the rest of your life you would be that that hollywood wedding and you would be no that's not a good example is it hmm (laughs) intended you would have this perfect relationship and and probably like me soon after something came up and you were really wrestling with some things and so all of this hope and all of this idea that our love is strong we're not going to be like anybody else and And the reality is, is that half of those couples that walk out that aisle don't end up happy like they thought and had the hope for. I want to say, and I want to stand here, and I want to say to all of our campuses, I want to say that every pastor here grieves and aches and is saddened by marriages that don't make it. And I know in our audience and congregations, we have a lot of people. And I get a chance and a privilege to sit down and talk to you and You have my heart. And many of you have said to me, if I could go back, if I could do it differently, I would have hung in there. I would have tried to figure it out. And and maybe you can't do that. And maybe if you could, you would have maybe been putting on more fig leaves and it still would have failed. But God has a plan in the midst of the things that go wrong in our life. And I, I know that sometimes when we do a marriage series, single people are like, oh, I don't know if I should come. Absolutely you should come. There's a reason that you should be here. The reason is is that you need to understand some things that God wants to do in you before you ever get married again. You need to understand that maybe if you're not single, but that you have friends that are married, that you can help them with truth. You might be a family member that can uh, invest in someone in your family that's going through this stuff and what we're saying through this series, what John said last week and what, what today and the next few weeks is powerful stuff to help single people. And we want to encourage you, but we want to say you are loved and you are valued in God's kingdom. And we can't take away what went wrong, but we can say to you, you're a part of this. But I say, as John said last week to the married people, don't go there. Figure out how your sin issue can be dealt with and let God make changes that you don't have to be going through the struggle and the heartache that happens through divorce. I come today with the understanding that most of the married couples are here and listening and a part of this series with good intentions and and some of you are here with the great hope that god we need you help us so what will allow you to leave as a changed couple we first have to understand how to deal with the sin Satan is a deceiver and a devourer, as we read. He works to destroy a marriage, especially the marriages of those people represented here that want to honor God. God provided a way. He shows us how to change your sin, your frustration into victory, but it has to be his way, not your fig leaf effort. In Genesis, in the Old Testament, and later in the New Testament with Christ, we see a pattern here, and it starts with death. We die because of sin, or sin dies when we put our nature, sinful nature, to death. The relationship between God and humankind, the relationship between men and women were changed because of sin. Paradise was never the same. Not long after this perfect garden that we see in Genesis, sin produced these things. We've already described a few, fear, shame, Blame. Take it a few chapters past, and you see hate and envy and murder and death. For God to change your marriage, your will is going to have to die. Your self centered focus needs to be nailed to a cross. God has to start with you, not your spouse. And the thing I hope to get across is that how do we change something so intrinsic as so, something that's so n- much part of our nature? How do we change that? Do, do we keep throwing these fig leaves to cover it up? No. We keep trying in our human spirit, but we need the Holy Spirit. And I wish someone would have told me that 39 years ago. Because I have a lot of heartache and even though I joked about scars, there's a lot of heartache that Brennan and I have inflicted over the years because we didn't get the idea of the Holy Spirit. When we got married, man, we, I married this amazing, beautiful, little, fiery Texas girl. Wow. And, and we were just hot on fire, or hot in fire. (laughs) I I don't have, we were either just there in love or there in the middle of scuffling, you know, just not physically, I don't wanna. She would beat me up, so that's why I stayed (laughs) away from that. Okay. I'm telling you, some of you that stood up at 20 years and sat back down, it was close to 20 years of fig leaf philosophy. I taught a lot of married classes. I could tell you what the Bible says and I would go home with this fear that people would find out that I couldn't do what I was teaching. And we had good times and we had bad times, but over the years, the bad times just kept accumulating its scars and its pain. And we would try to do better, and I had a real desire, and she had a real desire to have a good marriage. It wasn't that we gave up, we stayed at it. We kept trying. We read the books, we went to the seminars, we did the things that a lot of you might be doing. And it came to a head, we were in Charleston, South Carolina, we had an issue arise in our, that was stress going on for a few years, or a few months, and it blew up one day, and on the front lawn, of this house we were renting, it just blew up. I was yelling at her and she was yelling at me. And I felt so much hate and yet so much sadness because this isn't what I wanted for my marriage and I knew it wasn't what she wanted for hers. And she had shut down for many years because of our sinfulness. And so she said, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. Okay, she yelled, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore until somebody else is a part of this conversation. I called the pastor we worked with, he was actually my good friend, and he came over and uh, I told Brenda, Greg is coming over, he's gonna talk with us. And she was not happy with that because she said, that's not what I was thinking. She was thinking professional help and she kind of thought I was stacking the deck and putting my friend you know, into this conversation, and that he would support me. And so we got in his car, and we drove down the road, and we just started talking, and man, he didn't support me, he hammered me. And I think she kind of felt a little relief, but I don't know how to describe this any other way than how I can tell you, is that I, I'm just kind of listening to things he's saying, but man, I just kind of zoned out. And my mind went back to the fact that this isn't the marriage, that i wanted and i know it's not what she wanted and i just kind of one of those flashbacks where you see your life flashing before your eyes kind of thing and i just kept seeing us going at it and going at it and and having these great beautiful moments and then going at it and never getting to resolve and the holy spirit spoke to my heart as clear as i'm sitting here standing here talking to you god spoke to me ephesians husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now in the Bible, there's a word that defines the written word called logos. But there's another word that defines the revelation of God, okay? And this all of a sudden became a revelation. I had read that, I had stated it, I had taught it, but it opened up into a revelation. And all of a sudden, I just kind of just said, God, I don't love her that way. I I don't know how. And something in my heart, my spirit just changed. I don't know. I can't describe it. I'm sorry. I wish I could do a better job. But all of a sudden, I felt for her something far different than I'd ever felt. It wasn't this immature, passionate love, but it was this deep kind of love that you would imagine that Jesus has for us. And I saw that, at that moment I had to die and I asked God help me Lord to die help my selfishness my sin to die and I felt this amazing presence of God and I don't know where I tuned back into the conversation but we ended up at the front yard and Greg lets us out and Brenda gets out in the car and I remember she had no experience with God she just had it with Greg and me and great truth, but she was still hurting and angry. And listen, I say this, she was without hope. She was to the point where she never believed our marriage could ever be anything good. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And she got out of the car, she started walking in the house, she didn't say anything. And I said to her, Brenda, I'm gonna love you differently. I'm gonna love you like Christ loves. And I knew at that moment, and I understood something. I knew I was different, and I'll tell you why. She said, yeah, right. And here's the truth. My old sinful nature, Terry, would have wanted to take a shoe and throw it to the back of her head. <laughs> and I wanted to say, can't you see I'm trying to love you right? And there was such a peace and an understanding I never had. And I knew, I knew, I knew. I saw her and I saw her pain and I knew that her response was absolutely right. And I was a different person and I started loving her differently. But here's what I want you to listen to. I had made up my heart and my mind by the help of God's spirit to love her the rest of my life, no matter her response. No matter if she ever would love me again, I was committed to loving her like Christ loves us. And there was something different. And she knew there was something different. And she felt something for me that she hadn't felt. And in a few weeks' time, our marriage was literally turned around. And it's been a different marriage since then. Now, we're not perfect. We still have struggles from time to time. But the core value of dealing with our sin and dealing with our self has changed and we could experience God in our marriage. I have had people when I share that come to me and say, well, okay, tell me how you did that. It's not a recipe. It's not a formula. I didn't work something up. And, and the question I can't answer is why God? I, there's some few things I wanna share with you, but some things that happened there that God did. The first thing is surrender. It was different than all the times I wanted to change before. I had this feeling of utter failure that it could not be changed or controlled by me at any more. I couldn't. I was undone. I've read that in scripture and now I understand. I came to this complete place of surrender. I came to this place where I said, "Mm, fig leaves aren't going to work. The second was obedience. When God spoke to me his word and the word came alive in a way that I can't, understand, but it was real. I had a response. I could have walked away in my sinfulness and not got what God had for me. But I said yes to the Lord in that car. And in humility at my selfishness and stupidity, I repented and said, yes, I will obey you, God. I will do this. But the second thing is that I said, God, I need your help. I can't do this. The third part of that was faithfulness. And it was tested, like I said, the moment we got out of that car and her response wasn't what I had hoped for. You know, sometimes we think if we just say this because God did something in us, all of a sudden everybody else is gonna get it. You you all know what I'm saying? God sometimes has to prove it through you before they'll get it. And I think that's where a lot of couples miss the formula because it's not that. It's this moment with God. You just have to let God do his work in you. And it's not me writing a book saying, here's the seminar of how to God change your marriage. It was God. It was all God. All I did was obey and walk in his strength. And then God did a different thing in our wedding. So the third point I want to cover is this, redemption. Covered by God. Genesis 9, this is so powerful. 3, verse 21. Then the Lord God made clothes out of animal skins for the man and his wife. God took an animal, slayed it, and took the skins to cover them. Little better than fig leaves, right? A little more permanent. Probably a little more comfortable than fig leaves. But here's the thing that's so amazing God set in motion with that act something that you'll see throughout the whole of Scripture. And that is this blood is shed, an animal or someone is slain. The skins are a covering, it was a better solution than fig leaves and it would work for a short time, but not for all time. If you follow the line of that, Abel a little later on brought a sacrifice, the firstborn of his flock. Noah gave an animal sacrifice after the flood. God gave to Israel a temporary covering of sins with various sacrifices. Then God gave us Jesus. The Bible says a permanent covering for sin. Ephesians 5.2, live a life filled with love. I could do that. I could do that in my marriage. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. What if a fulfilled life comes from recognizing that in your life, You do have sin. And letting the sacrifice of Christ's death cover that sin. A permanent change, a real change. You see, this is why this message is important because real marriage issues begin at a spiritual level. And if you're here and you keep trying and keep trying and you keep trying and you keep coming up short and frustrated, maybe you've missed this. I was reading in First Peter, it said, you were bought with, not with something that ruins like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ who was like a pure and perfect lamb. I think I want to say to everyone here who follows Christ, and you have made a declaration that he is your Lord, and if your marriage isn't really working, I want to challenge you with these passages of dealing with sin and God's covering for that sin. If we take a hard and serious look at God's design of marriage, honestly, I would have to live my life different. We would have to live our life different. So, last is this resurrection. I put it half in jest, but life, liberty, and the pursuit of fulfillment. Would you like to have a marriage that is fulfilling? Would you? Romans tells us I pray that God the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit see that isn't the formula that is a work that God did in my heart I'd like that prayer to be our conclusion today I would like to be the prayer that we pray for all of our marriages that if you're here and in the season of frustration, that hope will fill you. The hope that maybe you've lost, the belief that your marriage could be good and God-like would change, and that you would be filled with joy and peace, that you will overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. No more fixing things in human spirit, but the Holy Spirit. So how about this? How about a prayer today for the resurrection of our marriages? How about that? So let's go back. We're sinners. The enemy is not one another. It's Satan. And God covers our sin and defeats Satan and has given us through the power of the resurrection a life that is filled with hope, peace, and joy. That's what I think God wants us. And I was thinking in conclusion here, How do you want to leave here okay i I, i'm I'm not I'm, i'm seeing that there are a lot of great couples here that are walking in this truth and you know what i'm talking about and i applaud you keep walking in it keep dealing with sin but i also know look i also just know that a lot of people have frustration as the season that they're living so how do you leave how do you end this service do you accept your frustration You just learn to kind of coexist. That's kind of where Brent and I had kind of got. But we just kept getting pressed with our sinfulness, and it kept exploding. The rule was, you kind of do your thing, I'll do mine. You just leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. If you're here today, is that how you want to live? That isn't fulfillment. Or do you just say, okay, let's go to another marriage seminar. Let's go meet with Pastor Larry and... And his lovely wife, and talk to them about our marriage, and they're going to give us a magic bullet, and they're going to wave a wand over us, and all of a sudden it's going to be fixed. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to I'm going to just work with all my might and make my marriage good, and and then whatever the outcome, okay, we'll just live with it. Or do you want to experience God's change? Do you really want resurrection? I want you to stand. <clears throat> I think people assume that when I share what a mess I was in my marriage, that that is easy and that that is um, something I like to do. Every time I think about that, I have a lot of sorrow and sadness. Not only for a lot of reasons. And I share that today with the hope that you'll hear that God is able to do miraculous things in people's marriage. And so I come and I kind of just peel it back my foolish ugliness and tell you, if God can change me, He can change you. And if you're here today and you are very frustrated and very unfulfilled, and you would like God to do something, I'm gonna ask you to be bold. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand, okay? Don't miss God, don't miss God. Thank you so much. At our campuses, I'd like you to raise your hand as well. And I wanna pray with you. And then I'm gonna ask all of our couples to do something today as a part of our close. Father, I pray for with a heart so filled with love and hope for what you can do in all of these couples who've raised their hand. For the men and the women who are hearing this message and deep in their heart, they have this dream. They have this picture of what their marriage could be. And with all their effort, they haven't been able to get there. I pray that, Lord, in every one of these couples, you show them the sin, the selfishness, the nakedness, the shame, the fear, the blame. And then I pray, God, in that way that only God can do, you cover it. You just cover it. And as the blood of Christ literally covers that, No more is that seen. But this day is a brand new day in you. And that they leave here in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the resurrection life of God. And that the testimony, that the glory of this day is their marriage and the impact that that marriage has on their families, on their friends, on their coworkers, that people know these guys are different. What happened? God happened. The Holy Spirit happened. Lord, we confess our sin before you right now. Cover us with the blood of Christ and give us resurrection, we pray in Jesus' name. If you prayed that, if you need that, would you say amen? Amen. All right, here's how I want you to respond. Last week, Marcus just really did a...